Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Nashville, Tennessee, and broadcasting around the world, you have now left the comfort of your average world and crossed over to the far side of reality. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Today is going to be an exceptional show where we dwell a little deeper into the depths of demonology. Our guest this evening is a returning Samantha Harris. Samantha is known through the paranormal community as a demonologist. But before we bring Samantha online, there will be a total of three shows produced this month in July. I have a show coming up with Dr. Susan Martinez, and we will be discussing her book, Delusions in Science and Spirituality. And then during the last week of July, we will be discussing Norse Goddess Magic with Alice Carls Dottier. If that's how you pronounce it, I don't know. We'll find out. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested in learning more about demonology after listening to this program, Samantha Harris does have a course called Demonology 101 available. And you can find that by going to thefarside.tv slash demonology. And without further ado, Samantha Welcome back to the far side. Oh, thanks, Bob, for having me. It's always a pleasure talking with you. It's a great honor to have you back here with us. Now, the one thing I, I want to start with is I know you've been interacting some on our YouTube page where certain individuals have responded to that interview. And right. it, it seems as though some people are saying that you don't know what you're doing in the realm of demonology that nobody seems to. It's just you're going out, you're playing with these creatures and that you might become possessed. What do you say to those people? Right. Well, I think a lot of people, when they hear the term demonologist, they have a stereotype of that you're going in and you're trying to summon things and that 
um, they don't really understand the perspective of what I'm working from. I, I kind of work as a minister, basically. I, I study these cases, but what I go in is actually help remove the demonic haunting. So, you know, if people think that's evil, then <laughs> God only knows what they think real, real evil would be like, you know. But um, so I think people get confused and misinformed and there's so many different stereotypes out there. And I think it's just a lack of education on the issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, not to get too religious, but I remember from the Christian Bible where Jesus once said that evil cannot go against itself because if it did, what's the purpose? Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think it's interesting, too, if people, you know, are devout Christians and um, and I'm totally open to discussing different religions and philosophies and things. But, you know, it even says for his disciples and followers, you know, go and cast out demons type thing. And I, I don't think it's something that's horrible. I think it's a good thing. It's a service to people. And if somebody's a true Christian, you know, I think helping to remove this type of a entity from somebody's life is a good deed to do. In addition to, you know, God, like feeding the homeless and mm-hmm. <laughs> sheltering them and a lot of things that people really don't do these days anymore. And so um, I just really try to do this as a service to help other people. You know, I don't charge for it. I just ask for a donation towards gas money because sometimes I'm driving like eight hours to a case. Wow. Or- you know, and so it, it's something that I do out of my heart and uh, trying to be kind and stuff like that. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, this girl's just summoning things, but they really don't understand the work that I'm actually doing. And I'm providing a lot of spiritual and psychological counseling for these people, too, who typically have very, very um, deep-seated issues or scars or dysfunction or a lot of trauma in their life. So it's kind of helping people in different ways. You know, there was another discussion that I remember off that YouTube interview that I posted of a uh, a Catholic demonologist. I don't know if you read that comment or not. I'll have to refresh my memory, but yeah. It, essentially, he was saying that you can't be a real demonologist because only a Catholic ordained person can be a demonologist. Otherwise, uh, again, you're just pretending. But But right. that's not really the case. Yeah, it's not. It's a um, so demonology is like any other ology. Basically, it's the study of something. So if you want to be a botanist or a horticulturist, you know, it's not like you would have to go through a church to become a horticulturist. Is the way I kind of see mm-hmm. it. Um, but there are uh, church ordained and backed demonologists. It just depends on what angle you're coming from. And demonology, the whole phenomenon of demonic entities, is like a global, worldwide, multicultural thing. It's not just limited to Catholicism. Um, so that's one person's opinion, too, from their perspective, and I totally understand that. And a lot of people do assume that, that if you're dealing with exorcisms and demonic hauntings and demonology, you know, you must be coming from an Abrahamic or Catholic perspective. So, and that's that's a common misconception, I think, too. But but yeah, it's definitely interesting. But yeah, it's really just the study of something, and I'm working on demonic cases. I've done it for over nine years. I've been working in the paranormal for over 15 years. You know, I've had a 98% success rate. So you know, I, I try to go by track record and my dedication to it and really is my motive to help people. And that's that's all I really ask of other paranormal investigators and demonologists and people working in the field is that they're helping people and actually making a difference. I don't discredit them if they're honestly making an effort and doing something positive. Exactly. There's no reason to try and discredit other people. If they are reaching out to help other people, what it really relates to as far as I'm concerned, especially with a Catholic priest, Catholic ordained demonologist, it's either an act of jealousy or they really want to suppress demonology to their own religion. And they're going to say, nobody else has the right. Nobody else has the power, but us. 
Right. Yeah. And and it, I look at that as a shame and it's probably something that stems from, you know, ego basically or something, you know, when people kind of um, discredit or disregard that because there's so many different methods across the world uh, that people use to remove demonic hauntings and stuff. You know, it, it's very like in Bhutan, the Bhutanese people, you know, they put on masks and they laugh out the demon and criticize it and make fun of it type thing. No, is it a real demonic entity? What we would consider, you know, who knows, but there's so many different methods and I just get really excited when anybody's going out of their way to try to help people and actually are removing these types of hauntings because we really need more help. I mean, it's it's constant, and it seems like lately there's just been a uh, big boom in demonic hauntings, whether it's just um, the, the people that I deal with or if other people see an uprising as well, but we need more help. And, you know, even the Catholic Church was saying there's a shortage of exorcists, and so we really do need to encourage one another and be open to that and and you know, if somebody's making a difference, that's all the better. Mm -hmm. What was it? A few weeks ago, the Vatican came out and said that they were going to perform a huge exorcism of Mexico because in their opinion, the whole thing is filled with demonic entities. Evil has come over that entire country. Yeah, I heard about that too. And, and sometimes it's like, does it work? You know, I believe in kind of a law of attraction, mass prayer thing, when people focus their energy and their intentions and spirituality on trying to help um, a certain situation, you know, sometimes I do believe that things can happen, but I don't know if like a mass exorcism would be, <laughs> would be possible because you need everyone's participation and willingness. Oftentimes when we have demonic hauntings, um, that person or client unintentionally or intentionally invited that demonic entity into their life. And so you have to make sure they're 100% on board with removing that entity and even with an exorcism. Um, when they don't work, it's because somebody wasn't 100% about getting rid of it, you know, and, it, and sometimes it takes multiple tries. But um, but yeah, it, it, <laughs> I definitely have seen the world, I think, degrade in some ways too. And I do think there's kind of a lot of evil energy at play with our world and society, you know, but I can't be on my high horse and say, you know, Mexico's like <laughs> all purely demonic. You know, <laughs> there's great people still, you know? Yes. And you, you would think if ma mass exorcism actually could work, that you wouldn't have to travel eight hours to go to perform this. You could just stay at home and gather your mind, gather your thoughts with other like-minded individuals and pretty much cure the whole world. Right, exactly. You know, get everybody on board for like a mass meditation or prayer session, you know, for different things. And who knows, it might honestly work. It might work on every demonic entity except for the clown demonic entities we once talked about that would scare <laughs> the living hell out of you. <laughs> right, they'll always haunt our nightmares. <laughs> With demonology, when did it first begin? Who started it? Was it Jesus or did it start? So how did it start? Um, about 500 to 600 AD, I would say. It's when the Catholic Church actually started categorizing or doing a hierarchy of demons and their names and characteristics. Um, but demonology didn't really become a famous kind of thing or a mainstream thing until like Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know, like the 50s and 60s and 70s when it kind of started becoming uh, something more discussed, you know. But um, the belief in dealing with demons goes way back, way, way back to like, you know, <laughs> a long time ago before even like main religion was kind of categorized. But yeah, demonology itself was basically started when they started doing hierarchy and categorizing of demonic entities through the Catholic Church. Um, so yeah, it's got different stuff. And that's kind of the main, um, what they kind of date on a timeline as the beginning, but it actually does predate that as well in different cultures and religions. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know you have a Demonology 101 course available. What are you able to teach individuals about demonology? So it's interesting. I start from a global worldwide perspective, and then I kind of funnel it down into a Christian Catholic Abrahamic perspective. Um, there's a lot of different courses out there, and they're all like ridiculously expensive, like 200 some dollars on up, and you get some certificate, and you know, it's somebody that's just studied this, you know, and uh, it, it's interesting. So the course that I did, I think it's only like 45 bucks. And out of that, I think I get $20 from it or something like that. Not a big deal, but it goes towards a lot of the projects and the house blessings that I perform so that I can still afford to travel and help people out. So it's kind of a good thing. It's not some profit making business like a lot of people assume. And a lot of people were actually shaming. They're like, you know, or a few negative people, I should say. We're like, you know, this is ridiculous. You're selling a course. I'm like, but you don't realize what funds they're going to (laughs) and the work that I'm doing outside of it. But yeah, I think it's about six different um, course classes, I guess you could say. It's one course all in one. And each one's about half hour to like an hour and a half per uh, session. And I include a lot of different evidence, sometimes evidence from my own cases, other famous hauntings. I go through historical perspective. I also go into the hierarchy and different types of demons, um, how they function. And then I also include footage from a DVD that I produced teaching people how to perform house blessings. No, I'm not saying this is like the end all be all or the the best way to do it. It's a method that I use that's been, you know, the 98% successful rate thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I teach people how to do that because I believe that people do have the power to channel the divine and to have God come into their lives to remove demonic entities. I don't think it's something that should just be kept as a secret and, you know, people shunned away from doing it. I think a lot of people, it's their battle with their haunting. They know it the best because they're living it. And when you empower them and give them the tools and techniques to do it, it's really cool to see how liberated and changed that they are and and how much they come back to the divine. Um, So it's it's very interesting. Um, So, yes, I cover that in the course, too. And then, you know, if people want some sort of certificate stating that they took it, you know, I offer that for people on request. But it's more so just like an educational course that kind of goes over everything. Um, It's a little bit more in-depth than 101, but it doesn't go into – let's say the entire hierarchy or entire dictionary or encyclopedia of demonic entities, but we kind of get into it. I also recommend different books in the course too, for people to read. Um, I include video and movie footage from different clips and kind of analyze that together with the the audience. And um, so it's kind of set up like a webcam, but then there's visuals and then it cuts into different video clips and things like that too. So it's not a boring PowerPoint presentation. I try to keep it pretty entertaining for people. Well, for anyone who has not been to your personal YouTube channel, uh, I can say that Samantha is very entertaining. Oh, thank you. I try to be, so no, I just, I like keeping things fun once in a while too, because I I deal with so much dark stuff all the time. You got to practice being happy and and, Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on the positive stuff. So sometimes I might crack a joke here and there, but I do try to stay professional and and completely, uh, um, you know, business-like with the the course so that people weren't distracted, you Mm -hmm. know? Some individuals may be thinking, if they take your course into demonology... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they begin to practice 
what they're learning from your course, that it may open them up to having more experiences with demonic entities, that it might bring these beings to them. Right. And I think a lot of people have that fear about even watching a demonic movie or even reading a book about it, you know, and that's a common fear understanding. What I try to remind everybody and reassure them with is that unless you are a raging alcoholic, you have substance abuse problems, you're meddling with the cult and actually trying to summon things, um, you know, you have dark intentions or you're working from a dark negative perspective um, or, you know, you're a very imbalanced, weak or feeble type person at the time. Like other than that, like you really aren't at risk. You know, I think it's important to educate yourself and Oftentimes, demonic entities don't like being known. And so when you cast light upon this darkness, they tend to uh, stray away from it, you know, and try to hide from that. And I think by educating people, you know, knowledge is power. And the more that we can identify certain traits or characteristics, the less likely um, somebody is susceptible, susceptible, susceptible. <laughs> Bob, I can't talk. I had too much coffee earlier susceptible to a demonic haunting. And so in my theory, I don't think it's something that puts people spiritually at risk unless you know, you actually have the intentions of trying to summon something or you're practicing, you know, negative or unhealthy habits in your life. And so almost every client I've ever dealt with, with the demonic haunting had some sort of doorway that was open spiritually for these demonic entities, whether it was, you know, domestic violence or sexual abuse or alcoholism, you know, there was some sort of trauma or negative behavior that kind of invited that entity or attracted it. So most people taking this course aren't in that situation. Mm -hmm. What is the differences between a human spirit haunting, a poltergeist haunting, and a demonic haunting? How would a person be able to notice a difference? Right. I think that's a really good question. It's actually something I go into in the course as well, is that, you know, I have yet to have a, a quote-unquote poltergeist case. You know, some people contact me, like, we straight up have a poltergeist, and there's poltergeist activity. When we actually started dealing with the entity, it turned out to be demonic. So I'm sometimes on the fence, and I'm still open to it, actually finding a legitimate poltergeist case. But um, poltergeist and demonic hauntings actually share very similar characteristics. But, you know, with the human spirit haunting, you know, my, you might have visuals, you might hear voices, you, you know, items might be moved around. And sometimes we have positive and negative human spirits. It's kind of like walking down the street, you're going to meet somebody nice or somebody mean or in between. And um, But typically you won't see the power and abilities, let alone the malevolent intent that you'll see in demonic and poltergeist activity. Uh, typically with poltergeist and demonic uh, hauntings, people are being physically attacked, they're slapped, they're scratched, they're choked. Um, items are being violently thrown across the room. Items are stacked in different formations that are peculiar or kind of gravity-defined things. Um, and one of the poltergeist cases that I worked on uh, there was water materializing out of thin air. Uh, the toilet water would start bubbling. Weird goo would come out of the shower. They had a plumber come in. They couldn't explain it. You know, weird stuff like that, too, and shrieking sounds. And so it's a lot more of a powerful haunting, I would say, when you're dealing with something inhuman or poltergeist-like. And typically with demonic hauntings, what I look for and granted, this could be written off as, oh, just coincidence, but, but I've seen it in almost every single case now, is that every facet of that client or family's life is affected, whether they realize it or not. So 
They'll be going into foreclosure or bankruptcy. They're going through a divorce. Um, their health goes down the drain. Maybe they start to have cancer, leukemia. Um, you know, their animals start dying or there's miscarriages. And if you look at the big picture of the family's life and current circumstances, everything from finances, health, their home, you know, the relationships are all being affected by it. And so that's one of the characteristics I look for too. Um, and then also the severity of it. Um, and, and different things like that too. But yeah, demonic hauntings, you might smell weird, inexplicable uh, smells that are like rotting sulfur or death, um, things like that. You might be scratched, you might have horrific nightmares. Uh, bad luck seems to really permeate the family or the person's life. Um, all sorts of different things that I look for. And I kind of outline that in the course too, and, and what's characteristic of those types of hauntings. Have you found any cases where an individual or a house is haunted or possessed by a demonic entity, and at the same time, there might be a purely good spirit also attached to either the person or the house trying to combat against the evil. Yeah, you know, that's interesting you brought that up, too. Now, some people believe that any kind of paranormal activity is demonic, that there's no such thing as human spirits. But through my own experiences, I have a very differing opinion. <laughs> uh, but it's been interesting. Sometimes I've seen in cases where, uh, say, it was like their grandmother came through or was at the house trying to protect them from this entity. Or there's been other cases that they've also featured on a haunting. And I've also had a similar case myself was that the demonic entity seemed to bully or control and hold hostage the other human spirits that are in the household. Hmm. And so they would avoid certain parts of the house. You know, the, some spirits would stay upstairs in a certain room because the demonic entity resided in the living room. You know, weird stuff like that, too. Um, you know, of course, can we prove this scientifically? Probably not. <laughs> um, but it, but it's interesting what some of the mediums have come up with, what our EVPs are saying, um, different scientific evidence that we've pulled from that as well, too. But yeah, sometimes there is that cohabitation of, you know, a demonic entity and then human spirits. And sometimes they feed off of one another, too. Sometimes there's bad human spirits and demonic entities, and they all seem to thrive in that negative environment together. Mm -hmm. One would think if there are more than one human spirit that's in a house, and there's only one demonic entity in the house, that maybe the group that is larger could somehow force the demonic entity out. Right. You know, the, the more the merrier, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I think that would be an interesting uh, process to try to undergo and see if that works that way, you know. But that's why I'm such a big fan of the house blessings that we do. And because you're putting to, to, to rest the spirits that are in the house, as well as removing and forcing out anything evil or negative. So I think it's a really beneficial process for both parties involved, mm -hmm. you know. And um, that's why I'm a big advocate for it. What tools are you using when you go through a exorcism? Are you using, uh, let's see, I know some people will use candles. They'll use holy water. What are you using? So some people think this is blasphemous, and I, I really don't, because I honestly have the belief from my experiences, from my out-of-body experience I had, from talking to different psychics and mediums and investigators, that the divine really does um, transcend any kind of man-made concept that we have, that we're basically all children of this divine creation. <laughs> and uh, um, so what I do is I actually use multiple methods. Now, some people say you should never cross them together. But what's fascinating is that a colleague of mine, Dan Smith, was actually proving that 
multiple different house blessing methods all altered the ions in the environment that they each worked. Hmm. And so I thought that was fascinating to me. That proves that religion is still kind of a man-made thing. And that above that, you know, and beyond that in some ways, um, whether, you know, it's a certain denomination or religion or whatever, but that the divine does work through us in different ways and different methods. And we just have different names for it or different um, techniques. Um, but basically it's about your intentions and, 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 you know, God working through that. So I use a Christian, Catholic, Native American, and sometimes South American method. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of like America. It's like a boiling pot or a melting pot of different things. And um, it's very, very effective. And what I think the most important aspect of these blessings is the counseling that takes place with the family prior to the actual blessing. Because if you don't identify or deal with the root cause, you know, it's if it's their alcoholism or if it was because they were sexually abused as a child um, and they're holding on to negative energy and scars, if you don't address that, you know, that's what the entity feeds off of and capitalizes on. And you have to get the family to work together as a team or empower that individual and have them, you know, kind of heal themselves and, and identify this and remove any sort of inlet for that demonic entity. So that's another important part, I think, as well. Exactly, exactly. I think I said this the last time. You have to heal the person first before you can remove any negative entities from their lives. Because if you don't, it's like leaving an open door. Yeah, and come right back. Exactly. With these entities, whether demonic or not, that you've dealt with, have you ever encountered what some individuals call elementals? You know, I've been open to this. I've seen different things captured with photography that was unique from demonic hauntings or a human spirit haunting, just different visual type things. I've never had a haunting where it didn't result in something like blasphemous or sacrilegious. And that's usually my cue for if we're dealing with something demonic or a very negative human spirit. Um, so I have yet to actually experience stuff like that too, but I have worked with, you know, native American medicine men and shamans hmm. and things like that too. And they held the belief that, you know, well, depending on what nation we're talking about or tribe, uh, but that there's different energies and different um, earth spirits, basically, and protector spirits and stuff like that. And I'm definitely open to that idea. You know, mm -hmm. I've had people even tell me that maybe Sasquatch is kind of a interdimensional spiritual being that kind of protects the earth as well, you know, different stuff like that. And I'm, I'm open to those things because we just don't have the means to prove anything with our science currently. And um, I think they definitely do exist, but I haven't had any hauntings uh, resulted from that now. Mm -hmm. I've heard that elementals make up the largest percentage of demonic possessions, apparently, and some people will even speculate that elementals are responsible for alien abductions. Yeah, there's an interesting tie-in that I've heard, too, and I'm open to this. You know, it sounds extra crazy, because <laughs> if you have somebody who's not even into the paranormal and you're starting to talk about demons, you kind of lose them at that point. And then when you tie in, hey, demons might actually be aliens, you know, then you just completely <laughs> lose them altogether, you know. Um, but it, it's interesting. And I remember, uh, what was that movie, The Fourth Kind or something like that? I forget what it was called, but... It was based out of Nome, Alaska, you know, it was like reenactments, but they made it seem like it was real. Um, some of the behaviors and, and the um, people that have contacted me about the night visits that they claim to have with alien abductions, there's actually very similar things like sleep paralysis or physical attacks, um, hearing voices in their head, even though they passed a psychological evaluation, things like that, where it kind of does sound very similar between alien abductions or interactions and demonic hauntings at night. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm open to whatever, basically, until I can prove it otherwise. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what have you been up to lately, Samantha? Oh, gosh. Well, aside from paranormal stuff, I've been filming a really cool uh, promotional video about um, Traverse City, which I moved to a year ago. And so I was jumping out of helicopters, um, skydiving, doing all this other crazy stuff for this video. Um, so that should be done, I think, hopefully by the end of the month, if not early August. But um, I'm currently waiting to hear back from Lifetime Movie Network and A&E on a TV show concept. And it was the first show that I've honestly even considered since uh, 2009 when I was offered the first show for the uh, Paranormal State sequel. And I've been offered, I don't even know how many shows, and that's not to be bragging. It's just that people like hunt you down and they're like, oh, we could do a TV show with you. And all these offers really lack the integrity. Um, I was asked to like fabricate evidence or reenact things and mm. fake stuff. And so I always turn down these offers. But this one, it was actually pretty cool. And it includes a concept of my dream show, which teaches people about the positive side of the paranormal, like alternative healing with Reiki or, you know, different things about astrology, you know, just random stuff like that, teaching people about different metaphysical topics. Um, but then also includes, you know, demonic cases, the family's experience, you know, doing house blessings, stuff like that, because that way it would teach people. And that's, that's really my motive is to help people and to teach people what I've learned and not saying my way is the best way. It's just from my experiences, here's what I've gathered, you know? Um, so yeah, so I'm waiting on that. And then I also just had another producer contact me about doing a show with a, uh, um, female celebrity from the paranormal world who used to have her own TV show. And, uh, so that's pretty cool. And so we're waiting to see if that'll pull together. Um, I started working on a sequel to my book, but then life happened <laughs> and I haven't finished it yet. So I'm working on that too. And uh, yeah, it's just been chaotic and busy and trying to get TV stuff together. And the current concept that we're waiting to see if it's sold or not has been over like a two year, two plus year project mm. that I collaborated on. And, you know, people forget how much work actually goes on behind the scenes. Like Pawn Stars took over two years to sell. And then you have filming and casting and everything else. And it, it's actually a big production and it's a very rare thing to actually have a TV show sell. So we will see. And I know... Earlier this year, you were on Destination America. Yeah, yeah. We, um, and I should, I got to contact New Dominion Pictures out in D.C. again to figure out when the next episode of A Haunting is. So I filmed a second episode with them for whatever season they have upcoming. And that was based on a case that I worked on outside of Holly, Michigan. And uh, that was an interesting case. So they featured that one. And then uh, I think currently right now I'm on air at, with Destination America with a show called Paranormal Survivor that originally aired in Canada. Um, I flew out, I think it was in January. I had filmed for like three TV shows <laughs> in one month. It was a little chaotic, um, but flew out to Toronto and filmed that. And then they finally approved to air it here in the U.S. So that's been really cool, too. And then a uh, couple different appearances on, on different things. But I should have another a Haunting episode coming out probably for the fall, I bet, is when they're going to release it for the Halloween season. Mm. We'll see. Well, that's a good time to come out right? with a new one. Oh, yeah. It's always crazy during that time of year. So. Oh, I know. Let me tell you something about our last interview that we did together, which was back in last June, I believe it was. One of the most popular search terms that people are finding the interview through my website with is uh demonic rape demonic. apparently people are interested in that i don't know if it's because they're they've experienced it judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or what? But, but on that episode, we did talk about the uh, Incubus Succubus. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, you know, it, people sometimes laugh and I understand why, because it just sounds so ridiculous. You're like, what the heck? I mean, we're talking about demons to begin with, which people have a hard time believing in, let alone too, that it's taken on a physical attack like that and sexually assaulting people. But yeah, one of the worst cases I ever worked on that we talked about was the Taylor, Michigan case. And it was sexually assaulting uh, the family, including the children. And that's why it became very severe for me. And I was really on this exorcist, but it took him like nine weeks or something to finally get to the case. It was driving me nuts and all this other stuff that we'd been working towards. But um, it, it happens. And unfortunately, I hear about it more frequent than not. Um, but people are so ashamed. I mean, it's kind of like rape in general. People don't want to talk about it. People are afraid to be like ostracized or, or stereotyped as crazy. And um, people are ashamed and embarrassed. And um, oftentimes I do have clients that contact me who are like, look, I experience inappropriate touching at nighttime. It does this and that. And if you think about it from being a weapon, like rape is the most cost efficient and effective weapon there is worldwide that even the military uses in different, you know, countries and stuff. It's a, it's a horrible thing. It breaks down villages. It breaks down people. Um, it's a very, uh, horrible traumatic thing to go through. And so if you were a demon and you're trying to traumatize and terrorize a family and break somebody down, you know, what method would you use? And so it's kind of interesting seeing how frequent it really does happen in people's lives. And, um, yeah, it's very, very scary for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It certainly is, because if it's a physical person, at least you have a chance of fighting them off. Right. If it's a spiritual entity, what are you going to do? Right. Right, exactly. You know, I just try to tell people to pray, to focus and imagine a white light around them and to perform a blessing or participate in an exorcism of the home as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's traumatic and scary for people. And a lot of people kind of shut down, you know, and it's not like a, a sleep paralysis thing. It's uh, something very real. And then oftentimes people are left with marks on their body, um, you know, it, and when the children were experiencing it, which is severely disturbing for me. You know, um, these girls, uh, I think she was 13 or 14, you know, she had never um, had sex or anything like that and didn't understand what was going on. And she just thought it was her body behaving weirdly. And she's like, I have no idea until she was talking to her mom. And she's like, well, does this happen? And does that? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I just thought that was normal. And they're like, no, you're being like assaulted by something. And uh, the girl had noticed that there was a presence in her room, that it would move the bedding, um, all a bunch of other just horrible things. And, and that's where I get really uh, pissed off for these families where I'm like, that's enough. Like these poor people are victims. And uh, I definitely feel like I have to protect them and try to fight for them. Mm -hmm. From your knowledge, has there ever been a case of a incubus succubus, a demonic rape, if you will, spiritual rape, where a person realizes this is going on. So they get out a digital camera and they record these events to prove that this is happening. I have yet to see evidence and I don't blame it on the person being like, oh, well, you're not really experiencing it. You have to remember too how demons work, or at least this is how I view it, is that demonic entities do not want to be known. They like to work behind the scenes. They rarely give evidence because when 
if the public knows about them and the belief in them becomes real, like people are going to change differently. They're going to be scared to deal with stuff. They're going to stray away from dark things and try to avoid, you know, demonic stuff and go towards the divine, which they don't want. And so oftentimes, even with our investigations and house blessings is very rarely will you actually be able to capture reactions, let alone, you know, an assault that happens. So it's uh, it's really tricky. I think maybe possibly one day it might be something that somebody could document, but oftentimes they're very intelligent. They know when you're recording, they know when you're there. Um, and so it's really hard to kind of trick them because they have this like, you know, extrasensory perception or psychic intuitive abilities and, and they know what your intentions are and, and they will try to thwart any effort that you make to really document them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been watching a series lately. I think it comes on ABC called The Whispers. Have you heard of that? No, but it sounds intriguing. Essentially, it's this energetic being that only talks to children and it speaks to them through lights. Oh. They can actually hear this person or entity talking, but the adults can't hear it. And it turns out that this entity is wanting to destroy humanity. Oh. It's an alien of some kind. The way it's brought across, you, you could almost imagine it could be a demon as well. Right. What a neat concept. I like stuff that's new and creative and fresh like that. That's pretty cool. And, and it's setting up all these children to do terrible things, whether it's killing their parents, blowing up houses. Oh God. You, you know, it's, it's always saying, do you want to play a game? This right. is a game. Nobody's going to get hurt. Right. And yet somebody always gets hurt either killed in the hospital. The ultimate game is all about destroying humanity. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head exactly, because that is actually very common in a lot of the demonic cases I work on. You know, people think that, you know, children are innocent or can't be influenced, but these entities tend to prey on kids and and younger people because they're influenced and they're easily manipulated or misled. And so sometimes these demonic entities will appear as like a man or even as an angel or as a child spirit. And they'll be like, hey, you should do this and this. And, And they'll get them into trouble or cause the kid to do something harmful. And then the entity feeds off that negative energy. So that's very, very characteristic of some of the hauntings we deal with. Mm -hmm. When did you decide to become a demonologist? Did you go to college for this? Is there a college course? You know, there's a couple metaphysical schools out there. There's two, I think, in the UK, and then we have one in California. But I always look at everybody's uh, prerequisites and, and background. Literally, it's, it's, Somebody had to study it first on their own to actually become something knowledgeable on it, you know, and so that person's therefore teaching their teachings. I started researching and and reading up on this stuff ever since I was about 11 years old. Wow. Um, And just researching case studies and and. Uh, we used to take a road trip down to Florida every year, and there's this one bookstore in Georgia. I forget where it was at, but I loved it. And I would always race over the paranormal section and just like stock up on a bunch of books to read. Um, so I educated myself in that a lot of ways. I've also studied with different ministers and um, a, a few different reverends as well, too. But I wouldn't say I've ever gone through a specific ministry. Um, and I think that's kind of a good thing. I have a background from different perspectives, and it kind of keeps me um, in the middle, you know, and I, I like that idea. Um but yeah, I mean, how do you ever become one? You know, I never even referred to myself as a demonologist until one day it's like, well, what do you specialize in? And I was like, oh, demonic haunting. So like, so you're a demonologist. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel weird even calling myself that. I, I specialize in severe hauntings and I remove demonic hauntings for people. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're like, well, so you're kind of like a minister, maybe an exorcist mixed with like a paranormal investigator, a demonologist, you know, and then you also do spiritual healing. They're like, I don't even know what to call that. But 
yeah, a lot of people started using the term demonologist and I was okay with that, but I, I want people to know it's, it's beyond just a study of that, that I'm actually working on a spiritual level to really help heal people and work with them, you know, by channeling, you know, God or the divine or whatever people want to refer to it as. And, um, that's, that's a big difference, I think. And it, the fact that we're trying to help people is really what motivates me. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned you were working on a sequel or that you're, you're trying to, can you tell us anything about what might be in the sequel? You know, I love reading the Amazon reviews because they're like, oh, you need to write another one or, hey, what about this? Or they'll ask different questions. And so I try to do my research before writing the next segment, you know, because I don't want to miss out on anything or, or correct stuff. Um, I'm hoping this time that the publisher won't dumb down the book and maybe I might be able to include a little bit more humor. But because <laughs> last time the publisher was like, this is too weird. You can't have humor and you can't have demons put together. And I was like, all what? right. Yeah, I had to edit the book a lot. And I was like, this is sad because sometimes there are funny moments, you know, or you see irony. And I don't know, um, having humor in this type of field keeps me sane, I like to think. <laughs> so it's uh, it's definitely interesting. But I think in this book, it'll go back into, you know, the top severe cases I've worked on and the new cases, basically all new cases, um, kind of focus on different uh, perspectives and with the last book and probably with this one, I really try to focus on why the haunting has happened, you know, the chicken or the egg type thing. And really want to point out that there is a huge spiritual and psychological aspect to demonic hauntings. Like, you know, if somebody is shooting heroin, you know, and there's a demonic haunting, like, is there a correlation, you know, and kind of point out that if you can just live your life in a happy, healthy, positive, balanced way, and you've got a weird way to be a good person, like, you know, that's all you really need to try to do to avoid these type of hauntings. But oftentimes people get very lost and, uh, and that's when these things prey on people. And so I try to just teach people how to avoid it, what is characteristic of it and how to remove it. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done any playing around with a Ouija board? So yeah, I'm not innocent. When I was, (laughs) when I was in high school, I actually made my own. I never really used it though. I liked the artistic work of it because I was into uh, wood engravings and wood burning uh, artwork at that time and Uh stuff. So I made one. Um, Whenever people were at a party or I was around people who had a Ouija board and they were trying to use it, I would like always secretly and quietly say a prayer or do a protection ritual just in case. And ironically, it never worked like the, the nothing bad ever came through. And so it seemed like the protection thing did work. So that's good. Um, but I would always kind of try to be like, okay, may nothing dark come through and oh God, and trying to block it out because I have had cases start from spirit communication tools like the Ouija board. And Oftentimes people are under the influence of substances or they're drunk. Um, You know, people's intentions aren't that good when they're doing it. You know, oftentimes it'll be like teenagers after they watch some horror film and they're like, oh, let's go mess with it too. You know, those are, you're bringing in bad intentions into Mm. the situation. And so um, I do believe that, yeah, it can open doorways if you're not careful, but I don't demonize, no pun intended, uh, I don't demonize spiritual communication, though. Um, I do think some things can be done in a protected, safe way, like what mediums and psychics do, Um, you know, different things like that, too. I just don't condone um, doing it because what if, you know, and you're just risking yourself. And do you really need that otherworldly insights? You know, what are you after, you know? Yes. I was asking about Ouija because apparently there is a entity attached to Ouija that's becoming fairly popular by the name of Zozo. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Everyone's been talking about that too. Um, I don't know if it's just one that 
other demons are mimicking or that other spirits are mimicking or if it's becoming like kind of a um, underground cult type thing where people are like, oh, yeah, I talked to Zozo, too. But mm-hmm. I've had some cases where people contacted me and they're like, I I summoned something on accident. It's saying it's Zozo and who knows, you know, but I think it's a method to scare people. And then that way, if it is a demon, it's feeding off that negative energy again as well, too. But, yeah, I mean, there are there is a hierarchy. There are powerful demons and then there's less powerful demons and sometimes there are like the famous ones that do come through or possess people or enter your life and so that's why you have to be very very careful Mm -hmm. this is going to sound stupid to everybody really are there any friendly demons (laughs) so it depends on what cultural perspective you're taking so for example if we are taking kind of a middle eastern perspective with jinn or genies Um, Some people believe jinn, which is their form of demons, are all evil. And then there's another kind of subgroup that also believes that jinn or genies can be positive and can grant you wishes, you know, which could also be an evil um, cover, you know, for doing bad deeds, you know. But they believe that jinn and genies um, can be good or bad, and it depends, and that they're mischievous. Um, There's other cultures, too, that also believe in kind of um, entities that can either be good or bad type thing. But... um, So it kind of depends on where you're coming from. What I'm coming from in my perspective is kind of like a westernized Christian Catholic perspective of demons. I think that they basically are essentially fallen angels, probably, um, just based on evidence that I've seen and let alone my own beliefs. Um, But that there is no such thing as a good demon. Um, It might appear to be good or try to trick you into thinking that it's good because they are the best at deceiving. Like they are the best tricksters out there. And so they might appear as an angel or as a child spirit, and they might appear to be nice to you if you were like a little kid and try to win you over, and then they turn and change. So, um, you know, regardless, I just don't think demonic entities are good. Um, but I do believe that there could be other types of spirits or energies out there that are positive, you know, that might not be technically a human spirit. But I know demonic entities almost always are just bad and purely evil, basically. And a lot of times, at least from my opinion, a lot of times if a person can't understand what this spiritual entity is. If it wasn't ever a human entity, human being, then it's got to be demonic or angelic. But that's not always the case. It could actually be, as we've talked about, an elemental, could be a djinn, could be another type of friendly spirit that we have no idea about. Right. Yeah, because how do we prove all this? And then you go into quantum physics and like rubber band theory or string theory and all these other different parallel existences, things like that. I mean, who knows, honestly, what's out there, you know, but I do know that there are dark, evil entities that I typically have to deal with. Um, And I know that there's really positive, good stuff, too. And there's got to be stuff in between and things that we don't even know about yet. So that's Mm -hmm. definitely possible. Yes. You you mentioned, and I'm also of the same belief for the most part, that the fallen angels at some point became these hugely negative beings. But at the same time, I do wonder if some of these demonic entities might be separate beings and they they were already around. They were already evil before the fallen angels were removed from heaven. Right. You know, I think, yeah, I think that their sole purpose is always the same, you know, destruction, breaking people down, breaking faith. You know what? I, this is from a very big perspective thing, and I don't know if this leads into your question or not or comment, but I really think that we are spiritual beings here on earth, that we are here to learn certain lessons, whether you want to call it karmic lessons or whatever. 
But we actually, in a weird way, it's kind of like the Dark Knight with Batman, you know, the Joker and Batman. In a way, we need these negative evil things and these temptations and bad stuff. And then we need the good and the counter side of the uh, spectrum in order to learn and experience certain things. And it's like they do serve a purpose in a way and they taunt people and they torture people. And it helps, I guess, people learn in a way or, you know, leads by example in that way of teaching people, you know, whether it's difficult, very hard lessons um, like addiction, you know, things like that. It, it is interesting how with this type of spectrum and two different contrasting things, you know, good versus evil, how we function in the middle. And uh, I think they probably have already existed and that. You know, we're in some weird paradigm with them, so <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, it's just like you said, we wouldn't know good if it wasn't for evil. We wouldn't know what it is like to feel good if it wasn't for feeling bad. Right, exactly. You yep. cannot have one without the other. Right. So what is the address for your demonology course? So there's a couple different ways you can get to it. So the online course is actually through what's called LFE.com. And I think that actually stands for learning from experience. And so it's an online teaching thing where teachers or people who work in a certain field actually create their own stuff and sell it through there. But if you go on Facebook, that's probably the easiest way or through my website. So if you go to michiganpra.com, on the main page, there'll be the menu bar. And at the far right, there's a drop down thing that says more. And there'll be an online course option. So you just click on that. So you can take the course through the website directly with michiganpra.com. Or if you go on uh, Facebook, and I think I have it on the MPRA or Michigan Paranormal Research Association page, or also the um, uh, Samantha Harris like author page. And I think I've got it on the Fighting Malevolent Spirits book page too. But if you just scroll down on the left side, there's like, hey, take this course type thing. And you can click on that and check it out too. But what's great about LFE is that I can list the entire um, outline of the course, what we're going to touch on, how long each chapter is or each session basically. And there's also a preview video I put together for people too, just so they can get a feel for it. Um, and uh, thankfully, I've never had any negative feedback on the course. The only thing that came up was like, hey, <laughs> I'm annoyed because you need to make a 102 level course or, you know, a 300 level course or blah, blah, blah. Um, but everybody's been really, really happy with it. Um, the only thing that somebody <laughs> complained about was that when I cut from my webcam shots of me talking and, and lecturing about stuff and then I cut to evidence and it, it startled some people because it is kind of scary. And so they're like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's kind of freaked me out. So sometimes there's um, abrupt transitions in the video, uh, but it keeps it exciting. And I think it keeps people entertained as well, too. Mm -hmm. It seems like you have 17 learners right now to your course. So we yeah. definitely need to try and get that up to 100, don't we? <laughs> Only if people are interested. You know, I think it's something that regardless what your beliefs are, um, it's kind of a fun educational thing. And some people are like demonology isn't fun. It's super serious. I'm like, I understand what you're saying. Um, but when you look at the different cultures and their kind of quirky methods or their history, it's fascinating. And I think learning is fun. I'm not making fun of the topic or having a lack of respect for it, but I think learning is an exciting experience. And so I, I really like the cultural and, and background perspectives, the hierarchy of it, um, the different visuals and, and movie clips that I use. I think it's kind of exciting and entertaining thing. And um, I don't think that's a bad thing at all, but I've had some people be like, no, you have to be morbid and stern and completely dead serious and yada, yada. Um, and really forgetting the fact that we're just trying to educate and teach people about this so that they can get a better understanding of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. 
with me, I am the type of person who wants to learn almost everything that I can. Right. I, I'm not going to be studying only on UFOs. I want to know everything that's going on in this world of ours and within the world, outside the world. Yep. UFOs, aliens, demonology, spiritual entities of all kinds. If, if you focus on one thing, then you're going to be missing out on the bigger picture. Right. And I just think it's fascinating, whether it's cryptozoology, you know, or demonology or with UFOs and all that stuff. I think it's just fascinating. I've always had that hunger for that type of metaphysical, you know, random weird stuff, you know, because I kind of view it as the last frontier. You know, it's it's uh, I mean, it's very vast. And it's not the last of anything, but it's something that really hasn't been explored. And God, how many questions it could answer you know, about us, what is our purpose? You know, how, how does this world work? You know, I think it's fascinating and I really encourage people to challenge themselves and kind of put your, dip your toes in anything and, and kind of educate yourself and see what you're drawn to. Mm-hmm. I think Star Trek had it wrong when they said space, the final frontier. It's paranormal, <laughs> right. the final frontier. Right, exactly, you know. <laughs> well, Samantha, I've definitely appreciated you coming back on air with us this evening. Before we go, is there anything you would like to share with the audience? Oh, life. No, <laughs> I wish I had the meaning of life, but I think honestly, it's probably to be the best person you can respect others, animals, the environment, do your best to be a good person. But, uh, anything I want to share, um, well, hopefully I will be doing the TV show thing soon and educating people. Um, but yeah, feel free to check out the Facebook pages. You can look me up on there. It's Samantha Harris and you look up, uh, michiganpra.com and feel free to check out stuff. Um, I try to message people back as much as I can, but oftentimes I have over like 11 or 12 inboxes to manage, let alone my business and organization and all these other things. So I get a little bit behind on that. So I apologize if I'm tardy at getting back with anybody, but I appreciate everybody's support and especially for you guys listening to this. And Bob, thank you so much for having me on the show too. It was great. It's great to have you here. Like I said, uh, what does Samantha Harris, the demonologist do for Halloween? Oh God, I I love dressing up and some people are like, oh, you know, Halloween, it's sacrilegious or blasphemous. And I'm like, you know, if you look at it from a worldwide thing, you know, um, the Day of the Dead and all this other stuff and the thinning of the veil, it's a really cool season. And it was about connecting with our loved ones. And then obviously then there's the pagan Wiccan uh, aspect of it as well, too, that we've adapted in our culture. But I absolutely love Halloween. Um, I'm born November 3rd, so I'm born just a little bit after Halloween, too. But that's like my season. I love fall. I like to dress up for Halloween. I think last year I went as like a witch or something classic. But <laughs> usually I'll get some crazy, ridiculous outfit and do some crazy makeup. And I like doing stuff like that. I'm at that point in my life, though, where, you know, out of college where everybody would use it as like an excuse to dress, you know, provocative. I'm more about like comfort. So this year I might go as like a a onesie zip up flying squirrel outfit. So, <laughs> so something comfortable. I may show up as a uh, pillowcase. Yep. Right. <laughs> Easy enough, you know? Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I, uh, the whole month of October, I'm usually doing presentations or expos or radio stuff, or TV junk. Um, and then usually on Halloween, like last year, I'll go and do um, tarot readings for people or just random stuff like that, which some people probably think is horrible. But um, I just do random events like that, too, for people. And it's for entertainment purposes, obviously. But, you know, a lot of people gather insight and help from that as well, too. But um, so, yeah, so I try to celebrate. Um, I wish I could still go trick-or-treating, but I think I'm too old. So You're never too old to do that. What are you talking about? 
Right. Well, if I have kids one day, that's going to be my excuse. Like, well, I had to had to guide my kid and take them on trick-or-treating. So that's why I get to participate. So I still go trick-or-treating. I just tell them I have a uh, growing disorder where I look older than I am. <laughs> yep. Oh, I could see that too. That's perfect. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great time. I think it's fun. You know, I, I think people shouldn't, you know, just worry about it so much and be afraid. You know, it's a time to have a good time and enjoy the season. Yes. Now, one last question for you. Sure. If time travel were real here and today, where would you go to and what would you do? Oh, God, that's something, honestly, like at four in the morning, I'm going to wake up and be like, Bob, I have my answer now. Like <laughs> it's something I would have to think about. Oh, my gosh. Would it be the beginning of time? Would it be? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Some important thing in history that happened. I don't know. I think the future. I think. Am I allowed to go into the future? Sure. Anywhere. I think I would go into the future and then hopefully I can return and bring back valuable information like alternative energy or world peace or, you know, how the universe works or something. So I think I would try to go and be, uh, you know, the cowboy in the future and uh, figure out what the heck is going on and bring back information and technology. I think that's what I would do. Try to try to save the mankind and the human race down here. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, th I think if I were to do something like that, I would probably go back to the time of Jesus when he yes. performed the first exorcism and put demons into pigs and the pigs ran into yes. the ocean. Yep. Yep. It cast them out into an entire herd and they jumped off the cliff or whatever. Or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Fascinating stuff too. I know. I think the time of Jesus is absolutely fascinating. And I love how some people deny it, but it, when we go and actually look at archeological digs and historical stuff, and they've even done DNA. I mean, these people mentioned the Bible were real. You know, that's something that they're like able to not even dispute anymore. So I think it's fascinating, the history of it, um, the miracles that were reported to have happened, you know, stuff like that. I would love to witness something like that back then. It'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like I need to have you back on to discuss some of the Bible with yeah, you. Yeah, that would be a great time. I'd love that. Instead of just demonology, we can talk about uh, the factual evidence versus the theoretical evidence. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I it's a good take on it. I also, and some people think it's blasphemous, but I also think it's interesting when they talk about ancient aliens and, you know, when they said the cloud of fire that hovered for days in the Bible, it makes you wonder about UFOs and stuff. And uh, interesting paintings they have of baby Jesus with UFOs in the background from Renaissance times. You know, you never know. I think all that stuff would be fascinating to discuss on air. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. But but I will let you know this. I think we are all in a matrix. We're really sleeping somewhere. Probably. You know, the aliens have already got us. They've got us, folks. It's over with. <laughs> Just give up now. Just give up now. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. It's probably, I wouldn't be surprised, Bob. I would not be surprised. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Samantha. It's been a great pleasure, my friend. Oh, it was great time talking with you, too. And hopefully your audience tolerated this and uh, they enjoyed themselves as well. Oh, I'm sure they will. They loved you the first time, and I know they'll love you the second time. Oh, well, thank you. Well, hopefully we'll chat soon and keep in touch. And thank you, everybody, for listening, too. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Samantha Harris. And again, if you're interested in her demonology course, you can go to thefarside.tv slash demonology. And that will take you directly to her course. Well, folks, until we come together again, I bid you all a kind farewell.